You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Today we have a wonderful cast of uh, cast of guests on. Uh, we have Kian. Hello. We have Keith. Hello. And we have uh, returning from our Promise Neverland episode. We have Lisa from Straight Outta Canto. Hi, boys. Hey, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we and today I am delighted that we are covering the. Absolutely hilarious uh, sit rom com, uh, Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun. <laughs> there are no words to describe how excited I was when this won the vote. I, God, Kian, Kian has been a, a, a cluster of just a, of just pure excited energy since 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 we announced recording this. <laughs> yeah, and it should be stressed. I'm not like a Japan fan on the level that the three of you are, but I have a very special attachment to this show in particular. It's really funny for that because uh, uh, for the first time in anime crash course history, this is a show I had not watched before going into it. Ooh. Yes, well, then why is... don't you give us your like impressions of what it was like? I will, but first, I think we should dive into a little bit of background on Multi Girls Azaki Gun. Okay. Uh, so, first, uh, the original. So, Multi Girls Azaki Gun, the anime, is based on a, a four panel manga that is produced by Izumi Tsubaki. Uh, it was originally published online through Gun Gun Online, a free online webcomic site, but then was later uh, published in digital volumes on Shoujo Romance Girly, and physically it was then uh, distributed via Square Enix. No way! Yeah, uh, Square Enix are a, uh, like, aside from obviously being a goddamn monstrous uh, video game corporation, they're just a, they're, they're a common media distributor as well. Okay, God, learn something new every day. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, gaining popularity from its webcomic, these, uh, an anime adaptation was uh, an anime adaptation was announced in 2014, and that was produced by Studio Dokobo and directed by Mitsui Yamazaki. So, Dokobo is a sort of well-known, uh, sort of well-known studio uh, dealing mostly in kind of slice of life comedy shows such as uh, How Heavy Are the Doubles You Lift, and the uh, kind of a uh, personal drama from this month, uh, Seeing Yesterday for Me. And Mitsuo Yamazaki uh, seems to work quite closely with Doug Kobo and was also the director of How Heavy the Doubles You Lift, and uh, also found out through a bit of digging. Turns out he was an episode director on Bleach, so he's got a little bit of cred there. Uh, and he's also currently directing the currently running... Uh, fantasy comedy show, Sleepy Princess and the Demon Castle. It's so funny that all those disparately talented elements came together to tell this, like, tiny love story in the grand scheme of things. I, I love just kind of going on the manga for a sec, because I did, I did have a look at it. It's, it's funny to me that, like, this is like a rom-com newspaper short. <laughs> this, is, this is effectively schoolgirl Garfield. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, it's it's very simple, but, like, the execution of it is incredibly complex. It's 
I mean, obviously, the kind of biggest comparison is the the dragon thing we saw a few months ago, which is named I can never ever remember. But even that had quite a lot of lore to it. This is just really simple, and yet the comedy tropes are very old fashioned. If that makes sense. Yeah, there's there's a lot of slapstick. Uh, Like it's it's very there's there's a little bit of kind of Looney Tunes in it. I failed. Well, I didn't even like that. I mean, like, I mean, proper, like, Shakespearean old-fashioned. Like, you have oh. a guy who fancies another guy who doesn't know that's his mortal enemy. Like, all that kind of proper old-fashioned stuff. Not, like, kind of stuff you'd see on modern comedies, like. Yeah, I, I get that, yeah. Uh, but, like, I think at least kind of going back to, to the manga, like, it's it being kind of by nature of uh, being a, a four-panel manga, it's very just, you know, Joke, setup, pen, uh, punchline, just kind of like quick concessions, and so. Mm. It's I didn't know of... it was um, a four-panel manga originally, and I actually think that um, clears a few things up for me because one of the things I kind of found about the show. Now, while I did immensely enjoy it, I found a lot of it n- not disjointed. It just didn't, and it wasn't sloppy. There was just a certain level, a certain lack of cohesion that I found was a bit disconcerting throughout. And actually, mm-hmm. if they're trying to kind of fill in gaps around things that were kind of one-off, as you said, Garfield-style kind of four-panel gags, then that actually kind of makes sense to the anime, because I found the main negative for me was just that there was a lot of kind of characters who'd come in, then they'd kind of go away, and and that's kind of common in comic strips, and that's fine, but I can see now that they were probably trying to piece together a whole story out of maybe lots of little stories. Yeah, I kind of get that. Okay, before we, I think before we get really into the into the into the gra- into the into the grass of, of of talking about the show, what let's let's kind of break down what the show is actually about. <laughs> for those for those of you that might not know, so Motokos Izakun uh, is it's a high school rom com, uh, but the entire conceit of it is that we have our main character Chio Sakura tries to confess her love to the the. Tall, quiet, stoic uh, Umino, Umino Nozaki. And after blundering her way through it, uh, accidentally, instead of confessing her love to her, becomes her uh, becomes his his assistant in creating manga. Uh, therefore, finding out that he is secretly a shoujo manga author, hijinks ensue therein. <laughs> yeah, and actually, to kind of to build on Lisa's point, like, I think the fact that they are writing a sort of monthly romance comic and living one at the same time helps to kind of pave over that sort of disjointedness. Do you know what I mean? Because he's always looking for little sources and ideas and all that kind of stuff, completely oblivious that he's in one, you know? I think what I'd say is I kind of, I get what you're coming from with it feeling disjointed, Lisa. Mm. And that it is very much just kind of joke after joke after joke. Or just like kind of comic to like piecemealing mm-hmm. these kind of disparate comics together. I, I'll think, like in my opinion though, the, the jokes and the comedy are so strong in this case. I didn't notice the lack of cohesion. Because like it's such, like it keeps up such a fast pace that... Like it, it's going from beat to beat to beat so quickly. I'm not lingering on what's just happened. I think that hinders it at times as well in terms of plot. 
Because yeah, why, like I said, it was it's a great show, and when they're when the laughs are there, they are proper belly laughs. Like that first episode, I think was probably the strongest episode, followed by the Sailor Girl episode. But I felt that in terms of actual plot overall, it was quite kind of excuse the pun, but two D, very kind of superficial and shallow because all the emphasis was on gags, and a lot of the gags became very repetitive because like they were still funny, but. You, kind of it was all you know oh this is this situation what what it's not you know what i mean so that was that was, yeah it just kind of got a bit repetitive i think in terms of the gags and i do think it kind of hurt the plot a bit yeah uh but see i didn't sorry do you want to go first keith because i appreciate you've been quiet for a long time oh no i was actually just, just, just kind of agreeing with lisa there like i didn't realize it was um a four panel comic either well when you said that made complete sense to me um and watching it, I really enjoyed it. And when the gags hit, they 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 really hit. But sometimes they'd repeat a gag they just done, and I was just like, mm. "All right." And they had a habit of telling the joke, showing the manga version of it, and just sort of repeating the same joke seconds later. And that mm. kind of just killed it for me at points. Yeah, same. Uh. But see, I didn't think of it as having a plot. I thought that it was just a bunch of short episodes, basically two 10-minute episodes oh. per episode. And then the through line was, will they get together or not? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's I, I, I 100% agree angle. with that. Like, for all, there's kind of three couples floating about, isn't there? There's, uh, I mean, I suppose, Kev, you probably know best about the characters. I say that with a list of them in front of me. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Go to your flowchart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that's because I like I went in with kind of no real knowledge of what the show was about, and then just kind of like within two episodes, I was like, oh, it's it's a sitcom, and then like the any kind of idea of like an overarching plot was kind of thrown out the window. I was like, oh, I'm just here to I'm just here to laugh. That's that's what I that's kind of what I uh, my, my that was my expectations of it then. Um, okay. Okay. Well, I suppose it's were, it's. If you were yeah, going sorry, in expecting, I think if you were going in expecting a a shojo like a shojo romance anime, kind of a in the style of Fruit Basket, you know, expecting yeah. expecting a harem basically. Uh, well, okay, not expecting like a harem with its tropes, but like expecting a a, a romance with a with a romance plot. Uh, I can see where you'd be disappointed, but going into one of the guys of a sitcom, I think it I think it uh, succeeds gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so yeah, so well, I think, like with the, the kind of the big thing, obviously, and it kind of understanding it as a sitcom, the core of its its premise, its plot, and its its action is its characters. So we'll we'll kind of do a little bit of a dive into its characters. So we have about kind of seven odd kind of main main cast. So we have, as I mentioned, Chio Sakura, who would kind of be the uh, the the audience surrogate, in a sense. She, the, the point of view character. Uh, you have Umino uh, Nozaki, who is the, the titular character, the, the romantic foil to your point of view, and also the, 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 uh, the action of the plot. Uh, him always kind of trying to find uh, examples for, for, for his manga. And then kind of the rest of the characters are foils for the two of them and also inspirations for his manga. And in that light, I think a lot of these characters shine. Because let's say, for example, uh, like the, the first one we're introduced to, uh, uh, Mikoto Mikoshiba, or Mikori. Oh, uh, the favorite red. character. 
who wonderfully originally kind of introduced as like the kind of the cool, flirtatious, like kind of kind of cool anime boy, but has this wonderful quirk of saying these incredibly cheesy lines and then immediately just sinking into a dread of embarrassment. <laughs> and that's that's a joke I don't think got old. <laughs> Yeah, and it's actually, I, I know you've got characters to list, but I, I believed these characters as teenagers in a way I quite often don't in the Japanese anime I've seen. I've known teenagers who are like big and sort of flirty and all that kind of stuff, and then they kind of curl up into a ball in private, or like, you know, the violent, crazy ones, or like the kind of... like Jesus, they're, what kind of teenagers are you dealing with in your, in your teaching? Oh, as a student, Black Rock, as a teacher, Tala. All, all kinds. <laughs> oh, okay, that is, well, like, I think that's, uh, that's, that's it. They, like, they, like, these characters have flaws that you wouldn't find in a lot of other characters uh, in, mm. in these kind of genre pieces or in these, kind of, uh, in these kind of romance pieces, which just makes them feel a little more down to earth. Like, uh, my personal favorite is uh, Yuzuki Seo, who is just the most gremlin person, and I love her, <laughs> this brash, abrasive, offensive, just dipshit, <laughs> who ends up being the, the, uh, the inspiration for kind of the, the, the rival character in Nozaki's manga. And like, she's just an asshole to kind of everyone in a very passive aggressive sense. And even uh, Sakura just basically explains like, no, we just had a bunch of classes together. That's kind of how we just hung out. <laughs> Yeah, but like it's um, I I was getting big Bakugo vibes off this from my Hero Academia, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I just she... found her so one-dimensional. She was my least favorite character of all. I thought she was gonna be. I thought they were gonna do way more with her. I think she was a very underdeveloped character, and I really think padded her out a bit more. They could have given her like a, but then again, look, this is a, apparently this isn't going to be a plot-heavy anime, so I, there's probably no point me complaining. About well, no, no, it's... it's like that's kind of. I just again, felt that's... like she she had such great potential, and they never really fulfilled that, and it was kind of sad. And then she just really annoyed me at the end, and as I, my eyes had kind of glazed over till the scene with her was done. That's well, fair. I think I think she kind of. The funny thing was, in the scenes where she was one on one with someone, most often uh, the guy who hates her and fancies her, she's actually quite grounded and down to earth. Mm -hmm. It's kind of when she's in big groups, she becomes hell incarnate. And I wasn't sure if that was an intentional thing or not, but I found that to be interesting. Like, kind of because that that's a not that's quite a lot like the way uh, the flirty character is, like, big and bold in public, but then in private, he, like, curls up into a ball and dies, you know? Yeah, I, I think, again, I going into it just with this kind of surface-level expectation for myself, I just... Just the, the, the sheer energy that she uh, had, I just found enjoyable to watch. Uh, which, actually, I suppose we've cleared up now. Um, did we, How did you all watch it? Uh, subbed or dubbed? Uh, Kian? Oh, subs. Uh, Kian? Funnily enough, I the first time I watched it, I did watch it sub. I watched it dub this time around, and I think rarely for me, I actually did prefer the sub. Nothing against the English voice cast because they were fantastic, but like, there's just something about Japanese manic energy voice actors, like you know, 
it's just they I don't know if it's a cultural thing or maybe it's just my own kind of personal biases but like they really go for it in the Japanese you know I'd, like, I'd even just say that it, it was just a particularly solid cast uh, sorry Keith what, how did you watch it as well Actually, um, I started watching it with this sub, and I was uh, struggling a little bit. And then I t- told my friend, Donnie, I was watching it, and he's like, I'll try the dub. And I actually really enjoyed the localization. I just breezed through it in a day after watching it with the dub. And a lot of the little localization I thought really worked, and it helped me, like, it helps the, the comedy. I tend to find dub comedy a little bit harder to uh, go with. Because uh, I, I I find that the pacing's a bit weird and it's it's harder to get the joke when they're reacting, but you're still reading, especially because I'm super dyslexic. So. Yeah, well, this, that's a fair point because this one, even by the standards of comedy, this one moves incredibly fast. It, if with the sub, you'd have to give it a hundred percent of your attention. But maybe for yourself, Lisa, who watches so many of these, you wouldn't like have that experience. Well, as someone who managed. To watch like Sayonara Zetsuko Sensei, where you'd have like about four different Japanese subtitles going on at the same time. It, it was actually it was okay, but even I, I agree there was a lot going on. And if you're not giving it your hundred percent, you're gonna miss out. I think that's that, that might have been my downfall with a few of the episodes, and probably why I didn't get as much out of it as I could, is the subs were going so fast. And I'm like, okay. I, I, I I'm gonna just admit that for this month. I ended up watching the entire show twice. <laughs> yes! Clap, clap, I, clap. I watched it, like, I watched it through in the sub. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And, like, again, with the with the, with the, the Japanese voice actors, just with the, the energy they brought. And you know what? I was just kind of, I was having a rough week, and I didn't know what else to do. So I just was like, this show made me happy. I was just going to watch this again. <laughs> so I just blitzed through the entire thing then in a day with the dub. And, yeah. Like while the cast is very very good, uh, I I find I I prefer the sub. Just again with kind of the, with just kind of the energy and the just the tones that the, the Japanese actors were getting out. But um, like, I'm really kind of because like we seem to be kind of split down the middle on our kind of opinions on it. And I think is Kev that's kind of a first for this show, is it? We've generally had a pretty consistent consensus, right, on the, on the other shows. Uh, no, no, it's, uh, this is not the first, and uh, Lisa knows exactly why. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually we've had, we've had this that doesn't like anything. <laughs> Lisa is bringing the contrarian energy she brought well, in the, on a Promised Neverland episode. No, look, you I didn't really like Promised really Neverland? I thought the first episode started off really strong. I, I really painfully identified with, I think, both Nozaki-kun and Chio in the sense that, you know, being that dense and then being that friend-zoned, do you know what I mean, in romance, you know, like that that scene at the end of the first episode where she, um, she's trying to ask him out and he's like, oh, you want an autograph? And she's like, okay. And then at the end when she's trying to ask him out and he gives her a second autograph and she's there, it's like, you know, Mrs. Doyle when she gets the tea master in the Christmas episode of Father Ted and she's there like, oh, this is great. It's autograph. And she's there bawling internally, but she can't. Like that was like, that had me screaming laughter because it was A, a genuinely funny thing, but also it was very relatable and, I th- and, and I've also been to Zaki-kun as well and I remember Kian last week on Nerd to Know when we were having a pre-chat you were like oh we've both we've all been there you know we've been to Zaki dance and kind of Chio 
kind of rejected. So I think it's a, it was, it's, that's what started off really strong for me. And then it just, I thought it was going to follow more of that, but then it kind of, her love for uh, Nozaki kind of died off a little. And then it kind of became more about the manga, which I, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed the um, manga creation aspect of the show. Now it is something we've seen before in other anime and manga uh, and for that. So it wasn't really that fresh, but it was, I really enjoyed that. But then it kind of, then it, it almost felt like whenever they did the kind of um, building up, oh, he's going to ask me out or he got a gift for me. Oh, wasn't what was. It kind of felt a bit like tacked on or that it was just an afterthought. So what started off as what I thought was going to be the premise of the show, plot wise, kind of trailed off into something that never really went anywhere. A bit like my point now. <laughs> well, Duke, see, I, I like these characters so much that I don't mind that. And I think that if every episode was her getting her hopes up and getting shot down, it had almost become too painful. Do you know what I mean? If it, they just kind of hit that button. could have done things with that, though, or, or, or built it up a bit differently. That's fair. I, think like, I, I, I just I, thought that's where it was going to go. And then they brought in so many other characters and then it became about other things. It felt it disjointed. But again, if they're basing it off mangas and if you even key and copped that immediately and started taking it as separate episodes or stories as opposed to one cohesive thing, then, then you're, you're totally kind of on the money with um, your observations there. That that's fair actually. I suppose we are kind of coming from different points because like me and Kev watched it twice, kinda of knowing what to come into and you guys kind of are coming off the first watch. Do you think that'll be a factor like? Definitely, mm. yeah. I think actually I, I, do, I will yeah. sorry, I was gonna I will agree with Lisa on one point in that starting off um my first watch with it, I, I thought that they would kinda of go very headfirst into the into the micro creation into kind of like some of the process of up there and there's bits of it mm. but I, I i think i expected more of it uh, in a very kind of a shirabako yeah sense. and it was kind of like a, a yeah and it was a little let down yeah uh, it just seems like it was going to be more about that then it kind of disappeared for a few episodes and then finally in like episode six kind of parts of six and majorly in episode seven mm. then it was like pow back in the manga so but it, again if this was this if this wasn't one big plot then i suppose that makes sense but um could we just talk for a minute about the like romance between mikoshiba and ozaki kun because that was my favorite thing in the entire series oh yeah oh one of my favorites is the whole mikoshiba uh, being the red hair oh, the redhead yeah. chap yeah oh yeah like one of my uh, favorite scenes is oh is my them, god he was a giant uh, weeb yeah, them with them with the dating sims. God, that's it's so funny. It's just and, yeah. and how he keeps trying to apply things he's learned from dating sims to actual life. Oh god, terrible repercussions. Screaming with laughter during that when they're like, "Oh, we're gonna have a sleepover," and Sayuri's like, "Oh, that's so cool." What do you guys do? And it's like, I give him love advice and she's all like oh wow so impressed and then it's just them with their little dating sim <laughs> oh actual screams of laugh like screams of laughter for that and then him and his little i showed you figurines and it's like oh pervert oh. So <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> but that's kind of an aspect i liked about it too though which was that you've got nozaki who is this like we're assuming kind of prestigious romance writer who understands romance like as a mathematical formula 
but apply that to every other aspect of life, like uh, helping the poor chap ask the singer out, and he is completely useless. He tries to romantically surprise uh, Sakura by being a chair. <laughs> or even when he's there trying like, it's, to... It's, it's like he's an alien. Thing. Like, you know the episode where um engage more with characters on emotional level and kind of um like so he goes around making lunch for everybody or you know kind of mm. trying to girl bit to kind of get kind of basically do a bit of method acting for his manga i just thought that was adorable mm. like it's there that's him, just like, it it's like what you're saying about the mathematical formula he knows how to do this and that but he's trying to add more depth to it that's just it or like the bike sequence in the first episode he understand he's it's i'm trying to think of a better example than like an it's, alien yeah. But okay, he understands I, it scientifically, but not like in I've, practical I've terms. It. Like I've got, I've got it in the most D and D way since the most D and D way I can push the bottom. He's got high ass intelligence. He's got like a mm. twenty in intelligence and just a six wisdom. Mm. Yeah, he understands it on a <laughs> fundamental level. He knows it. He knows he knows it, mm. but he can't actually utilize it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of like. Nikoshiba with his um, ability to talk to girls on the surface, but then like dies of pure mortification shortly afterwards. Like, <laughs> or, like when he's when he's trying to like um, learn how to talk to girls for the dating party, but he can't, and it's just like he, he clearly has like some sort of like high charisma, but like low confidence or something. Yeah, and then compare that to Kashima, the prince character, who has essentially the same superpower. But like, so you have kind of a pairing of her and is Hori the school drama Hori, guy? Yeah, Hori. Who, like, like, everyone is in love with, like, the prince character and she only has eyes for him and he has eyes for her and yet they're both... It's very unclear whether they know they like each other or not and that's why I kind of was drawn to them the most because I found that to be the most yeah. realistic representation of it's a couple a or a couple to be. Aside from the rampant uh, physical abuse. <laughs> I, I think well, uh, Kev said it best in the, the show notes he shared with us in the chat group, like at the beginning mm -hmm. of the watch of this, where he just said, all characters are dumb as a bag of hammers, but the opening is a banger. So, <laughs> that just summed up the whole show for me. Yeah, can we actually? Because actually, I can we talk about the opening for a sec? Because I noticed more things every single time. Like when they're fighting that raccoon thing, you can actually see comic panel windows it's in the sky. Uh, Tamaki, sorry, uh, and you can see comic panel windows in the sky as if they are in a comic and they are up there. And also, like when he lifts Sakura Chio uh, into the air, that it looks like they're looking at each other until you notice there's a black frame between them and her hair goes behind it. So that's like a lovely detail to show that like, no, these two are not together and not looking at the same thing. I, I absolutely love it and pronounces it. So it's 10 out of 10 for me. I, I, I was too busy like bopping away to it to pay attention to that, what was actually happening. I just love that <laughs> song. Oh yeah. yeah. Preach, preach, preach there, Keith, man. That, that, that opening... Like I noticed little bits of the actual like details of the act of the animation, but man, that song is a jam. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sent y'all a picture of Miss Buttons absolutely glued to the screen during that, so it's got my hamster's seal of approval. <laughs> and it is she loves the opening. 
it is a crime it is not like available uh, for streaming anywhere yeah what the song or yeah 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 why not is there like some sort of licensing thing or... oh just it's like it's it's kind of a grab bag when it comes to anime openings uh being released mm. in the west uh just for you know <laughs> well, we'll have a conversation after the show kev oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just like depends on kind of like that's that's a whole kind of like uh, just Japanese band licensing thing, not 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 within the realm of st- of topic right now. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like I think we've covered most of the characters now. I think we just haven't gotten to um, well, I mean, there's, Wakamatsu, there's Wak- there's and, Wakamatsu and uh, and, and- Seo. Well, there's Wakamatsu, and yeah. that's about all there is to say about Wakamatsu. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, well he, I, like I, I only ever really saw him as being Seo's punching bag, and that's about all he achieves. Yes, but I think he embodies kind of the male equivalent of what the main character is going through in that sort of he is devotedly in love, but that comes out as paranoia. If that makes sense, I, I very much relate to that. It's like, she's looking at me. What is she planning? That kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I kind of, I kind of get that. Which is very reasonable considering his love interest. <laughs> there is always an ulterior motive. <laughs> I, I also kept him with Hori just because of her design. I just, every time they're on screen, it's like, which one's this? That's that's fair. I think I think yeah. he the way I was telling him apart is when he goes happy, he just becomes the two dots and the smiley face the most. Uh, yeah. That's kind of how I parse them out. I think I managed to 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 separate them because I was fully convinced Hori was a grown ass man for like three episodes. I did not know he <laughs> I did not clock that he was a student. I well that that's something about the time. <laughs> yeah, like because isn't she comes to the school because he's in the school, so he is a bit older than the rest of them, isn't he? I think he's a third year. Yeah, I, think, I, think I don't know like, how the Japanese school works. Uh, I think he's like he's he, I think he's like an upperclassman compared to like most everyone else. Uh, That's okay. kind of how I felt about Nozaki Kun, because in the opening scene of the very first episode, um, when Shio's going up to him saying, "Oh, I'm going to ask him out," I I thought she was trying to ask her teacher out, and I'm like, "This is." weird okay thanks Kev. Yes. yeah he's <laughs> a total like, Doug Jones turns out he's you know actually a student but then it's like it's not just the stereotypical kind of big muscular you know uh, anime teen he he genuinely in his composure and his his hairstyle and his um kind of voice actor the kind of mature deadpan kind of thing he completely looks even though i know he's a teenager to me he's an adult it's just so weird I'd, I'd agree, except he's too dense to be an adult. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Ian, really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <sighs> I don't know. I just think overall, it just, it just, it's all, all kind of very real in just how they all interact with each other, you know. And I think that's kind of what what's unique because it does kind of because in kind of traditional kind of um anime rom-coms they do follow very stereotypical tropes and they kind of have their tick the box characters so even like i said i did find this bit disjointed and messy it, at least it was refreshing with its interactions um everything was kind of everybody was kind of a wild card 
you know, that you, you think you knew someone, but you didn't. And then it's kind of, they're all acting in a way that they don't normally act. It wasn't very formulaic. Oh yeah, none of, none of this cast felt stuck. Like, no, I, like, I didn't feel like anyone, anyone fell into like one single trope. Everyone had like a little facet and little quirks to kind of, to really make them feel individual. But that's kind of the show's conceit, though, because there is an existing romance manga in the show's narrative. Kind of, if they were more conventional, then there'd be no point in having the two side by side. Do you know what I mean? It's like Nozaki-kun is trying to compress reality into a traditional romance tripe story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah that's, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I've thought about this way too much. Someone has. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, like, I'd like to touch on just like one little note that like I just thought was was a really cool concept that I just found very refreshing was how Nozaki was kind of gender bent like in a way gender bending his inspirations like he would take the inspiration for like you know your your stereo your prototypical like shoujo female lead was Mikashima. So, like you said, mm. and, uh, and your stereotypical uh, male lead then was taken from uh... Seo? No, Seo, Seo was kind of the, the brash rival. No, no, the prince. The prince. Oh, the uh, prince. Kashima. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Even like, yeah. Oh, sorry, you go first, Lisa. His, his imaginary character friend from his dating sim, they, they, they all fell in love with him, like him and Mikoshiba fell in love with their, their character. And then they're like, let's make like a gay Tomoko boyfriend for Tomoko. And it was so organic and natural. It was just automatically like this dude's kind of love. And it wasn't, you know, automatically, oh, let's just put a girl character with him, you know? Mm. Like, I think it was when I clocked that, did I realize like, oh, this doesn't, this show doesn't, fall into the, especially with comedy anime, they fall into kind of like uh, tropes of just kind of stereotypically kind of misogynist jokes, and this show mm. just sweeps right by most of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, that like, being said though, it kind of it was quite sleazy at times, which considering how saccharine the show was, felt a bit tonally off at times. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's perfect, I'm just saying it's better than a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm, intri I'm intrigued. Sleazy how? Yeah. So, just with regards to, so basically, like, now don't get me wrong, I love a good sleazy anime, but I think <laughs> either you're going to go hard or go home. This mm. felt like, oh, we're going to be a sweet, cutesy, klutzy, uh, you know, kind of um, haps, slappy, happy kind of uh, slapstick kind of show. But then, like, things like stuff that the prince was saying to the girls, if a guy said that, mm -mm, you know what I mean? And... Even, you know, just there was little things and even the way they were like selecting the girls in the dating sim and there was just a lot of things that of course it's Japan okay, Japan, but then there was just a few things where I'm like, for a cutesy cutesy show, there's a few things, like I said that just felt tonally off and I'm like, either you're going to have a big titty anime kind of rom-com or you're just kind of going to not you know, keep it to the cutesy slice of life thing, so it just felt a bit weird at times that, that's fair. I didn't consider but, that. But maybe I, I'm, I, you know, viewing that with a female perspective. No, no, that's the, and like, the, really like obviously, it, considering yeah. this is a love story from a woman's point of view, that perspective is essential. I just thought that, like, with the kind of romance tropes, it was setting that stuff up to puncture it. Like, you know, when um, he's asking for some, like, pictures, like some naughty magazines or something, and he keeps handing him 
the romance things and he's like no in color oh yeah here's a full color print oh pictures oh here's a yearbook like you know that kind of thing <clears throat> sort of setting setting it up to yeah. knock it down maybe maybe i'm overthinking it though the scene with this does everybody remember the scene with the sailor uniform oh god Oh man, that <laughs> okay. I don't, I, I don't want. I don't want this to like devolve into us just explaining jokes because that's radio suicide. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, no. Like there is yeah. It, it, like if you if you want to look up like a scene that just epitomizes <laughs> the best of the jokes in this, look up just Nozaki-kun say their uniform. Because it's a whole sequence, and it just had it, it had me wheezing, laughing. <laughs> I could not stop. Um, well, I mean, you've hit you've hit upon a fair point, though, Kev. Like, both describing and criticizing comedy is the hardest thing to make interesting. Do you know what I mean? So, like, what? So, I think kind of like, thank God, this show has interesting characters to kind of talk about and latch onto in that respect. Like you said, it's like trying to trying to tell to describe a joke instead of telling it like oh yeah no, like that's that's the worst way to convince someone to watch anything <laughs> it, it, it actively puts them off it <laughs> uh so i like i okay i don't know about you i think we might we might call this episode a little early because as i said without kind of going and just describing my favorite moments i i'm at a loss for words outside of just i really enjoyed this show and i think everyone should go watch it so I yeah, I'll open. I'll open the floor to you guys. Uh, is there any kind of final thoughts that you have on? Asher Keith, you go. You've been the most quiet so far. Yeah, you, you, you've just been covering all the points, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I highly recommend it. As like, well, because I watched the dub. I think the dub is like the best passive watch ever. I watched it full attention, but I could, I can easily see myself putting that on again while I'm playing like Tony Hawk or something just like, <laughs> like giggling in the background and enjoying it I yeah absolute recommendation uh, I, I, I also really liked how none of the characters as you said feel like typical romance characters at least they didn't for me they all had like their quirks and their, 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 their quirks that didn't seem like you've got this one trope and then a, like one like divulgence on that like everything they were like every episode they were like doing something a little bit different a little bit new to their character it wasn't out of character but it was um just like oh that seems like a natural extension of who this person is and i i i, I feel like i've known a lot of these people or at least you know a less exaggerated version of these people yeah, I I liked it. I laughed a lot. A, a surprising amount. And uh, that opening song is a banger. <laughs> God, I gotta really hammer that point out, man. That opening, that opening slaps. <laughs> yeah, uh, even and... if you just want to watch it for the opening, like no judgment. That's that's <laughs> the way to do it. <laughs> uh, and Lisa, have have you got anything to finish off with? Um, enjoyed it. There were laughs in between the laughs. It fell flat. Um, it was enjoyable, but kind of a bit throwaway. I'd probably give it a six out of ten. All right. Okay. Yeah. Fair. No, I'll, 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 I'll give you that. Um, okay. So, I okay. So where? So well, while this was created in 2014, where in the year of our Lord 2020 now 
is Monty Girls with Action. So, to start off this section, I'm actually going to go back before the anime was produced, because in 2013, a drama, well, an audio uh, radio show of the manga was produced. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it is only in Japanese, of course, but I would be fascinated to find out how they actually transcribed that. Yeah. Does it keep the awkward tuba music? <laughs> if so, I will listen to it, even if I don't understand it. You'll get the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the vibe, but want my tuba. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, you know what? That's, I think we have our first t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, well, outside of that, then, uh, when the anime was being uh, released for a physical Blu-ray release, uh, six three-minute short OVAs were produced and packed in with it, which I watched gladly. And it's 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 weird to call them three uh, six three-minute OVAs because when you watch them strung together, they're one episode and it's a beach episode. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's the beach episode. Oh my god, sure didn't the the Kobayashi thing have a joke about that? Like, of course, the inevitable beach episode or something yeah. like that. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's a trope <laughs> yeah. that everything needs. Even Gurren Lagann has one. Come on, everything has to happen. <laughs> I mean, like, I did not on, know that about, about Gurren Lagann, okay. Depending on how, uh, depending how you interpret the end of Evangelion, it has one. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I nearly spoiled but, it there. Believing in Zaki-kun itself, there is the episode um, about the editor Maino where um, they talk about the importance of the seasonal episodes. You know, where, uh, <laughs> oh you know, my god. February for Valentine's Day, then of course the summer, they've got the beach and they've got, you know, festivals and stuff. So, it, you know, of course it's going to touch on that when it's uh, parodied in the show. Oh my god, I know we weren't going to just tell the jokes, but I love Nozaki-kun's like, slights to his former editor about like, asking for the summer thing. Oh, I can't wait for summer! Shame it's autumn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I've waffled on a fierce bit, but can I make one last course, point? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've caught as many of these episodes as in of the anime Crash Course as I could, but sure, you guys know my situation. I have a young baba and a full house of adults. Like, so I've honestly struggled to do the longer watches, like the Helsing last week and kind of even like the time travel one and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it was a real joy just to find something this breezy and this easy to watch. And I'm not saying that I don't enjoy the more complex stuff, but all I'll say is, there's a place for this, and it's very special, and I would love to find more stuff like this in the future. And it is while you're trying to grapple with a two-year-old. Well that's, well, that's just it, yes. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I don't feel like I can... You should have said this at the start, and I wouldn't have said anything. No, it's because I... Because I, cause Lisa, I, like, I listen to your show. I really respect your expertise. I don't want to be like trampling on your viewpoint and everything, you know? Oh no, I was just making a joke because I didn't know it was this um this special to you, so it would have been nicer about it. I don't, I don't want Oh no no I don't I, I like, like you know blazing, I... tearing things down, but it's it's oh, really no. nice to know that someone kind of really kind of, it's great when you find a show or something that just kind of transports you away from kind of all the crap 
and you know can actually kind of resonate with you and kind of make you feel better. That's <laughs> oh, very important, especially. I, well, you know what? You gave me you gave me the opportunity to protect it, which is good <laughs> in itself. Well, Keith, I, I, I am glad yes. to, have, to have your energy for your 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 enthusiasm on this on this episode. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I am happy to have it here. But let's real life being real with each other until after the recording, because I gotta wrap this up. <laughs> uh, uh, oh yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, as it stands, there is currently no indication for any sort of a season two. Uh, unfortunately, given this long, however. The manga is still being produced to this day. Uh, still being printed and still being published online. So if you really liked the uh, the series, go back. There is now the better part of about five years worth of four panel manga to to read online. Hasn't Chio suffered enough? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so, like yeah, the stations that... of the cross. There's just no end. <laughs> it's, it's oh my god! Cycle. I will commission an artist to do twelve stations of the cross, in which they are on a two-person bike, in which he is a box, <laughs> in which there is a yeah. sailor suit, and he gives her a second autograph. <laughs> the seventh yes, station the is him covering with the coat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're done. That's, I will that's gladly do that fun. commission for you, Ian. <laughs> Lovely. Let's talk rates. We're done. That's it. Fine. <laughs> so, bottle of sake, and we're all good, friend. Uh, Kian, <laughs> where can where can people find you? <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm taking a bit of a break from it, but I run the Game Corner, also on the Nerd to Know Media page. Otherwise, I am currently reviewing Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Lord Dex on Geek Ireland, and you can find my written reviews there. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Keith, where can people find you? Um, you, uh, you? You can find me over on the Instagram, that's pretty much all I do, um, at drykeith, with Keith spells with two E's and a T. Um, and my... Uh, Black metal band Horenda just released a new music video called uh, Axe Wound. That's on YouTube and Facebook and all that and Instagram as well. So that's all I have. Top notch pun. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like axe like guitar or axe like axe? Uh, yeah, axe like axe. Oh, okay. Now even more intrigued. Yeah. Uh, and Lisa, where can people find more of you? So I am the CEO of Straight Out of Can. Anto, your Irish blog and podcast for nerd culture, nightmare fuel, and nostalgia. I am over on Facebook, Instagram, and I now write for J Horror Resource site, The Uray. No so way! Weird and wonderful and creepy and crappy. I'm a girl. Well, I will say Uray to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow me over on Twitter at Keptalica94, and you can find me on Nerds No Basis along with. Most everyone I have on this show at some point. Uh, catch up the network, and I'll see you all next month. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.